Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, y'all, and welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you're listening on the Believe Network. I can actually believe what happened down under because I thought that's what was going to happen down under, not pumping my own tires, but just saying Novak Djokovic is a beast, and he's going to end up with the most Grand Slams ever when it's all said and done. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Novak Djokovic, at the age 35, is playing some of his best tennis, and he proves that at this year's 2023 Australian Open. Novak Djokovic wins the Australian Open over Stefano Tsitsipas in straight sets in the final. And the seven matches he played at the Aussie Open, he only dropped one set. One set. That's it. He was dominant from start to finish. The four seed, now ranked number one in the world. Novak Djokovic, as he should have been number one in the world. Uh, but last year, everyone knows what happened last year with uh, not being able to play in some tournaments and not getting points for other tournaments. Novak Djokovic is the best player on earth, and there's no question about it. Now, Novak played some good matches. There's some good guys on his way to the final and even in the final, but nothing really tested him that much. He beats Rublev in the quarterfinals. He beats Tommy Paul in the semifinals, and then he beats Stefano Tsitsipas in the final in straight sets. Tommy Paul was playing great tennis coming into this, you know, into this semifinal match. He just beat Ben Shelton. He'd been playing great this entire tournament. And Andre Rublev coming off a five-set win over Holger Rune was also playing very, very well. And Stefano Tsitsipas to make it to the final, you can't blink an eye at that. So he played legit guys. He just dominated them. He didn't have to play, he didn't have to play Berrettini. He didn't have to play. You know, Nadal, he didn't have to play. He didn't have to play Carlos Alcaraz. Those are the guys I think that could have tested him the most, and he didn't have to play any of those. Yeah, the cards were in his favor. However, I think he would have won this tournament anyway. With this Grand Slam win, he is now at 22 Grand Slams and 10 Aussie Open championships that he's won. Incredible. He's now tied at 22 with Rafael Nadal, and with 10 Australian Open finals, uh, or 10 Australian Open trophies, he's one of the best to ever play there. In Australia down under. That begs the question, if he would have played last year, would he have won last year? Even with Nadal playing so well and knowing how well that Djokovic plays down under. Probably. But you can't play the what-if game when it comes to this. Him not playing in two Grand Slams last year and still making it to 22 is remarkable. I think it's incredible what he's done. And he is right now, Stefano Tsitsipas said it, He's the best player to ever pick up a racket. Right now, he's the best player uh, right now in this year, right? 2023, currently number one in the world. That's an obvious thing. But I think he's going to end up with the most Grand Slams. I've said it before. And Nick Kyrgios tweeted, he could be to 28. Yeah, he could. He could make it all the way to 28. So Novak Djokovic, what he did down under, what he's doing in the tennis world at age 35 and playing some of his best tennis ever and just destroying his competition. It's going to take a big effort from a few players to really get him down in these Grand Slams. Best of five matches, I think he's incredible. Can he win the French? I think he can. Will he? I'm not sure. There's a lot of players that play really good at the French. Could he win Wimbledon? Absolutely. Should he win Wimbledon? Absolutely. He's great on grass. I believe he can win that, and then who knows if he can actually play in the U.S. at the U.S. Open because of rules surrounding a vaccine getting into the United States. 
So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch moving forward. But Novak Djokovic, he said this is one of his biggest wins of his career. With everything that he's had to go, go through, he said this in the post-match press conference, there's been rumors about like things that he had to go through just before the Aussie Open. He had a hamstring injury coming into it. Uh, the weeks leading up to the tournament, if if someone said if people only knew what he had to go through before this tournament to get here, uh, it'd be remarkable. He was emotional after the match, but he played an outstanding final. Stefano Tsitsipas just had too many mistakes in the final. Uh, it seemed like Stefano Tsitsipas was hitting the ball out of his own shoes even, and then he would just make mistakes, and that's kind of where he got in trouble, and he just couldn't maintain the level of play with Novak Djokovic and couldn't couldn't stay at that level for an extended period of time, which was the problem for Stefano Tsitsipas as he moved further into this final. He just could not finish it, could not finish. And Novak Djokovic, I think Andy Roddick said this before, but he steals the soul of his opponents, and that's exactly what he did to Stefano Tsitsipas in the final. Let's move on to more about what happened in the last week of the Australian Open. Like I mentioned, Tommy Paul was in it. Andre Rublev was in it. Uh, these quarterfinals were great. Uh, the Ben Shelton-Tommy Paul, uh, which was, I think, the most important quarterfinal, especially for Americans, uh, it, was a, it was a good match. It was a four-set match, but Tommy Paul was just way too good. I think Ben Shelton was a little tired out. He talked about his fitness after last one, saying, I, I could have never done this so many months ago. Well, I think that finally caught up to him here in the quarters and just the longevity of the tournament and playing five-set matches, all of that. But you can't take anything away from Tommy Paul and how well he played at this tournament. With the way he played at this tournament, he jumps into the top 20. He jumped 16 spots. In the ATP rankings, he is now ranked 19 in the world, just above Nick Kyrgios and worse than, I guess, Lorenzo Musetti, just behind, I should say, Lorenzo Musetti and Yannick Sinner. So the the there's only two Americans ahead of him. It's, it's Francis Tiafos ahead of him, and it's Taylor Fritz. Another interesting thing about these rankings is Daniil Medvedev is ranked number 12 right now in the world. Someone's going to get a bad draw when they draw him because he's the number 12 player in the world. But he has been number one as of recently of the last year or so. So someone someone's going to get a real rude awakening when they draw the number 12 person in a tournament, and it's going to be Daniil Medvedev. Uh, ben Shelton, with his win, he jumps into the top 50. Ben Shelton's ranked 44. He jumps 45 spots into there. Just behind the American, John Isner's in there. At 38 is Jensen Brooksby. And then the Americans don't really pick up until Tommy Paul at 19, Tiafo at 15, and Taylor Fritz at 8. So the, the Americans right now in the top 50, a lot of them, and they're loud. They're making a lot of noise. They're playing really well. And I'm really hoping this year, the depth of American tennis is there right now. It so is. It's just... Can someone make a breakthrough and win one of these big, big tournaments like Taylor Fritz did in, in Indian Wells last year? They're going to need that again if they want to, you know, staple themselves as a legacy here. Uh, Sebastian Corda, another American in the quarterfinals, played Karen Hachinov. He had to end up retiring. He was losing this match two sets down. He's 3-0 in the third. He retired. He had a wrist problem, I believe. So that was kind of a problem for him, and he got out of there. Uh, that Laheka won heck of a tournament for him. Jiri Laheka, he loses to Tsitsipas in the quarters. Djokovic, I said, beat Rublev. In the in the semis, Hachinov, not much of a test for Tsitsipas as Tsitsipas beats him in four. And then I've said, I've said this before, Djokovic beats Paul. An awesome run, I think, on the men's side. Overall, the men's bracket, what I take away from it is the Americans. Eight Americans into the third round, which was the most since 1996. So I think that was something that was remarkable from the Americans. And... 
I think it was great how good of a tournament they have. They have to take this momentum moving forward if they want anything, uh, if they want anybody to take them serious throughout the rest of this year. They need to keep this momentum moving forward, especially into the U.S. Open that is in August. It seems so far away, but if they keep this momentum, oh, that U.S. Open is going to be a blast to watch. There's going to be a record number of fans there again, I believe, and we need an American to do really, really well on the men's side again at the U.S. Open. I know Francis Tiafo did it last year, but we need a few to do what they did here in Australia. They need to do that in New York. Speaking of Americans, last thing on them right now, uh, Ben Shelton is the first American in 20 years, American man in 20 years, to reach a major, major quarterfinal before turning 21. His other one, or the last one to do it, Andy Roddick in 2003 at Wimbledon. Not bad company for Ben Shelton. His future's bright, and I really hope uh, his potential stays high and he reaches that because he could be something special for sure for American tennis. On the women's side, it was Ravakina versus Sabalenka in the final, and Sabalenka gets a Grand Slam title to her resume. A great win for Sabalenka over Ravakina. I did not watch this match, but from commentary and people I've listened to and articles I've read about it, it seems like this was one of the best matches in a women's final for a while. Uh, I heard it was remarkable. I, I woke up at the very end of it, and it was pretty much already over. So uh, at that point, I, I mean, it was only one break, I believe, in that third set. And, or not Rabakina, Sabalenka wins it. So, uh, Arena Sabalenka gets a Grand Slam title, and I think she can get more. I think she's a dangerous player. I think she plays with, with a lot of, like, uh, fierceness to her, a lot of co competitiveness to her, and I I'm excited for her. I think this was a great win for her, uh, and I hope she gets more moving forward because she's very entertaining to watch. She's super athletic. She hits the ball so hard. And with a lot of passion. So uh, Sky seems to be the limit for her. Rabakina as well. Uh, Rabakina has played lights out for the last year. She wins Wimbledon last year. Comes this year and put, gets put on court 13 in the first round. And moves all moves her way into Rod Laver Arena for the final. So hopefully she starts getting the respect she deserves. She's not a very loud person. But she's remarkable. And she's, a, she's so fun to watch. I remember watching her in the 2019 uh, U.S. Open when I worked there. And I remember thinking... No one's talking about this this uh, woman right now, but she is really, really good. I remember watching her thinking, your sky's got to be the limit, man. Like, you are so good at tennis. And lo and behold, a couple years later, she's a Grand Slam champion, making it to other finals, and she seems to be cementing her place as a finalist at a lot of these, at, a finalist at the very least at a lot of these big tournaments because of how good she is and how long she can play in these tournaments. All right, let's get to a recap of this tournament. Uh, a quick little fun fact. Uh, ben Rothenberg tweets, uh, it's now 2023 and still no man born after 1987 has won the Australian Open, French Open, or Wimbledon because it's probably been Murray, Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, Delpo maybe. I don't think it's been Delpo, but guys like that that are a little bit older in their high 30s that have won all these tournaments. Kind of a kind of a blow for any young guy right now thinking, man, no one can win all these tournaments. That sucks. Casper Rude's got to get in there, though. I think he can do it at the French this year. We'll get into that later this year. I don't need to go on that tangent right now. I want to talk about this tournament, the things I liked, the things I didn't like. Uh, I, thought the, I thought the Americans, I've talked about this before, but that was my biggest takeaway from this tournament was the Americans showing up and showing out down under 
and really playing with a lot of passion. Uh, I, I I thought that was great for American tennis. I think that's I think when Americans do well, tennis does well because the United States is such a sport heavy nation, right? Everyone loves their sports, their sports, their sports. Everyone goes to the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, the MLB, all that stuff. And the more we can get uh, Americans to love tennis and get into it, I think the better. So the better that these Americans play at these tournaments and bring more names, uh, you know, bring more name image likeness to themselves. I know it's an NIL thing, but really the more popularity they get to themselves is going to be better for the sport because that could see that gets the you know attention of other big time athletes that have other big followings in their particular sport that move over into tennis. So stick taps to the Americans for sure. A frustrating part of this tournament was, uh, I'm not going to say too much about this. Uh, A lot of it's been already tweeted, and you can find it on Twitter. Uh, But it was just a hard tournament to watch as far as where I could find coverage of it. A lot of it was you had to pay for ESPN+. Uh, That was a lot of the tournament. Uh, Sometimes the tournament wasn't even on like regular cable TV overnight, when nothing was really going on here in the United States. So that was a little frustrating. Uh, And it was just a lot of matches were just hard to find, really. Uh, The world feed I couldn't find. I think it was on ESPN Plus a few times. But that that was my main, I guess, critique of it was for coming off of the Netflix special that was, you know, trying to bring a lot of attention to the sport of tennis. I thought the coverage could have been a little bit more extensive, not just by ESPN, but just by American outlets in general. So that was tough. I get it. I'm in the news industry. I get it. I get why they do it. Um, but but it was just hard, especially for me wanting to watch so many matches and be so involved in, in the Aussie Open for two weeks. Uh, it, it was just a little challenging. So that was, uh, it, I would say, maybe a disappointing or a frustrating part of the Australian Open this year. I think overall the tournament, though, was much better than it was last year. Uh, there was so much drama last year around Novak Djokovic playing in it. Unfortunately, a lot of players were out early, whether it be injuries or just they got beat. Um, you know, the one and two seed going out early on both sides probably didn't help it as far as ratings and that stuff. But I think Novak being in it, players being able to be in it, I think that's very, very important. Last year, maybe more entertaining with Kyrgios being able to play and them winning doubles with Kakanakis. But this year with, you know, Annie Murray beating Matteo Berrettini early on in this tournament and so many Americans going deep, I think there was just so much more. Uh, it was just much more open and there wasn't a side conversation around the tournament, which I really, really enjoyed. So uh, stick taps to the Aussie Open, another great Australian Open in the books. That's going to be it for this podcast. Next week, we'll get into what happens after the Aussie Open. But I just wanted to talk about the Australian Open this week. Put a wrap on that and uh, let us move on in the world of tennis. Novak Djokovic wins his 22nd Grand Slam title. Tied for most with Rafael Nadal. Ten of them have come at the Australian Open, including this year. We'll see you next week. See you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.